This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Hurricane Ian made landfall along the coast of southwest Florida on Wednesday, September 28th as a powerful Category 4 storm, bringing high winds, heavy rains, and storm surge levels this part of the state has not seen in more than 150 years. While it will still take time to know the full extent of economic damages caused by Ian, preliminary estimates range from around $65 billion to as much as $120 billion. Ian will rank among the top 10 costliest storms in U.S. history, possibly as high as third behind Hurricane Katrina in 2005 and Harvey in 2017. Because of the storm's massive size, it brought at least tropical storm force winds to the entire Florida peninsula, impacting nearly 5 million acres of farm and grazing land, with about 700,000 acres receiving Category 4 force winds. According to the University of Florida's Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences, or IFAS, there was about $8.1 billion of agricultural production in the path of the storm in terms of its value over each calendar year. Early estimates put the economic impact just to agriculture here in Florida at somewhere between $786 million and $1.56 billion with citrus and vegetables most affected. To get a better sense of the damage Ian caused and to understand how these numbers are arrived at, I spoke last week with Dr. Krista Court. She's Assistant Professor of Regional Economics at University of Florida and director of the UF IFAS Economic Impact Analysis Program. Let's hear that conversation now. Dr. Court, welcome to Gulf Coast Life. Thank you. Glad to be here. So for starters, just tell us a bit about yourself and your background and the UF IFAS Economic Impact Analysis Program. Sure. Uh, my background is in uh, regional economics. And what that means is we I study the size, the scope, the structure of local and state economies um, and how they're related to other economies around the U.S. and around the world. Um, and I direct the economic impact analysis program. So we are housed within the food and resource economics department at the University of Florida. We have an expertise in regional economic modeling. You might uh, be familiar with economic impact analysis. We do economic contribution studies to look at the importance of different sectors of the economy. And then we also have uh, a lot of research in disaster impact analysis. So looking at how um, external things like hurricanes, freezes impact um, those local economies as well. So f- as I understand it, the, um, the program that you direct began collecting information on ag losses and damages uh, from hurricanes in 2016 after Hurricane Irma, right? That's correct. So um, after Hurricane Irma came through, we, we sort of sat around as a department and thought about, you know, how can we contribute to what's going on in our state right now? Um, And we noticed that a lot of what was going on in the research community related to disaster impact analysis was not focusing on agriculture, um, but was focusing on uh, urban areas, infrastructure, different things like that. So we felt that there was a need on both the research side and just the public information side to be able to communicate what was happening in Um, rural or specifically agricultural communities. Is it possible at this point to say maybe how the work you did after Irma has prepared you to begin the assessment from damage caused by Hurricane Ian? Sure. So we spend a lot of time in what I will term the off season, so not hurricane season, trying to think about how we can improve those processes. Um, We felt like the work that we did after Hurricane Irma was important enough to continue. 
Um, so we started developing tools to kind of harmonize the data collection process. Um, we were getting a lot of information somewhat haphazardly during Hurricane Irma. You know, people would report what they had seen. They would report, um, in some cases, quantitative information or data. And in other cases, they're just sending us a, a large paragraph of what was happening. Um, and all of that was useful, but it's not very easy to sift through and decide um, what we were able to use and not use quickly. Um, so we developed a survey tool um, so that we could harmonize the collection of that information from the field to know really what was going on. And we've also improved our processes of um, collecting event level data. So looking at um, wind swath, uh, you know, the wind, different wind speeds that were experienced by different crop areas. Um, also precipitation data, and we're starting to move into um, looking at inundation or flooding related data so that we can incorporate that as well. Understood. And we'll get a little bit more into the data in a bit. But before we do that, can you describe the scope of, you know, Florida's commodity production, you know, in terms of its importance to the U.S. and even global food supply? Sure. So um, Florida is what we call a specialty crop state. So we're a very unique um, agricultural um, state in that we produce a lot of uh, crops that are very labor intensive, um, but we also produce them at a time of year when other parts of the U.S. are not producing. So we happen to provide a lot of the fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, especially along the east coast of the United States, but around the world in um, the winter months. So our, our sort of slower months in Florida are those summer months when it's very hot, very humid, um, which is very different than the rest of the U.S., uh, we produce uh, over $10 billion of agricultural um, forest and fishing products, and that's across about 200 to 300 different commodities. Um, so it's a very, it's a significant sector of the economy, um, but that's it, producing food for not only Floridians, but you know, across the U.S. and across the world as well. I know that it, this will vary from crop to crop, but what growing season are we in now or, you know, were we in a month ago when Ian hit? Like, what were the main things being produced right now in the impacted areas? Sure. So we were coming into um, harvest season for citrus crops. So we have uh, oranges, grapefruits, and some specialty citrus that grows in that area. And we were just starting um, the winter, the, the planting season for those winter fresh fruits and vegetables as well. Um, so let's get into the numbers. Uh, and just to remind listeners, these are preliminary assessments. You still have work to do to you know, get more granular data, I think. Um, how many acres of ag production overall were impacted by Ian? Yeah, it was almost nearly 5 million acres. So it was about 4.77 million acres um, of different agricultural products. So that was about 375,000 acres of citrus. But a lot of that, uh, nearly 3 million of that, or about 60% of that is grazing land. Um, and then we have about 153,000 acres of vegetables and melons. Um, that I just mentioned. And then there are a significant amount of acreage in things like field and row crops in that area. And so how many acres received, you know, the most serious, the category four storm force winds? Yeah, so that was um, over 150,000 acres of citrus. You know, mentioned citrus was just coming into harvest season, and that's one of the um, primary crop acreage uses in that area of Florida. Um, there's also about... Um, 
about half a million acres of that grazing land. So again, it's about 60% of that um, overall total of about 700,000 acres of agricultural land impacted by category four wind speed zones. And from what I understand, pretty much the entire peninsula was impacted by at least tropical storm force winds. Is that correct? That's true. So it was really only the panhandle that was spared any effects um, of that tropical storm. Again, different parts of the state were in um, different seasons because different parts of the state produced different things. Um, So while the entire peninsula was impacted by some wind speeds from this particular event, it didn't necessarily mean that all um, agriculture in that peninsula was affected by the storm. Some of them fared better than others, depending on which area they were in and which season, which part of their season that they were in. What is the total estimated value of agricultural production in the areas that were most severely impacted by uh, Hurricane Ian? Sure. So uh, overall in that entire peninsula that was affected by the storm, um, they produce about $8.1 billion of agricultural products throughout a calendar year or throughout what we would call a marketing season for a particular commodity. So what are the, the estimates? I know there's a low range and a high range. What are the estimates for overall economic losses from Hurricane Ian statewide? at this point. Sure. So when we put a lot of that data together, so again, we're looking at event-specific data, um, the the data that I just shared on acreage and value of products and what part of their season that they were in while they were impacted by this storm, then we're estimating between $787 million and $1.56 billion of um, production losses. So those are changes in sales revenues to growers for this particular calendar year or marketing season year. And I, I ran the numbers on that compared to the $8.1 billion. And so the high estimate is about 19% and the low estimate is about 10%. So at either end of that range, that's still a, a significant impact to any industry, right? Right. And those are um, percentages on that you know, overall production across that area. So you can think if Um, You were looking just at the Category 4 wind speed zones or just at those commodities that we're just about to harvest um, or that maybe are uh, only have one growing season instead of two in this particular area that they could they would definitely be more um, impacted by more than 20 percent of their expected revenues for the year. I'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guest. Dr. Krista Court is Assistant Professor of Regional Economics at University of Florida and Director of the UF-IFAS Economic Impact Analysis Program. We're getting an overview of the scope and severity of Hurricane Ian's economic impact on agriculture in Florida. While the assessment is still ongoing, preliminary estimates put the overall economic impact from Ian to Florida's ag industry at somewhere between $786 million and $1.56 billion. If you'd like to engage with the show and fellow listeners, we invite you to do so using WGCU social media. Find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. And on Twitter, we're at WGCU using the hashtag GCL. So at the beginning, you mentioned how since Irma, you've you know, sort of refined the process by which you collect uh, this data. You know, explain, you know, what are the data sources? What kind of models do you use? You know, are you directly connecting with growers or are you connecting with growing organizations? Just explain sort of where you get this data. Sure. So we keep what we call 
baseline data on hand and keep those updated on an annual basis so that we're ready to go anytime there's any type of um, hazard event that significantly impacts agriculture in Florida. Um, those are the, the baseline data are things like uh, the acreages um, for different commodities in different parts of the state, uh, the value of those commodities. And we tend to use um, a five-year average because sometimes price um, and therefore value of these commodities is relatively volatile. Then we collect event-specific data. So in this case for Hurricane Ian, we pulled down data from the National Hurricane Center on um, wind speeds that affected different parts of the state and when, and then also from the National Weather Service and um, from a lot of the, there are, there's an extension program that goes on within UFIFIS as well that collects um, Florida, Florida Agricultural um, Weather Network. And we use their data in order to supplement what we're getting from the National Hurricane Center and the National Weather Service to see, you know, at a, at a finer scale, what wind and precipitation impacted particular areas of Florida and what was being grown there. Um, then we collect information from the field. So as you said, we are connecting um, directly with the growers and we are doing so through some of those industry associations as well as local and state level agencies. Um, to see what actually happened. So it, it's not enough for us to say, we know what's growing there, um, we know how much it is worth, and we know it was impacted by these wind speeds or um, these levels of precipitation, but you know, I'm not there with, with boots on the ground knowing exactly how it was impacted. So we have to get that directly from the field. So we, I mentioned a survey instrument um, earlier in the conversation, we share that um, through our program, through the Florida Cooperative Extension Network, and um, through industry associations to uh, let people know that they can report that information. Um, they're reporting information on their acreages, how much of that was destroyed or potentially 100% loss on um, yield for a particular area and then also what was damaged. So if they don't expect to lose everything, but they expect to lose some percentage of production um, on some percentage of their land, then they're reporting that as well. Um, these preliminary estimates don't include information on the value of things like infrastructure damage, unless in the sense that it's, uh, the re it's resulting in production losses. So they are also telling us did they lose a farm home? Did they have damage to an irrigation structure um, or any other type of infrastructure that helps them um, in their production process? And that type of information will be summarized when we come out with a final report. Um, are the Florida Department of Agriculture estimates used or somehow included in your data? Because I noticed their estimates are a bit different than yours. Yeah, so um, the, we provide our estimates to the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services and then they tend to add to our estimates in terms of uh, what they're hearing from the field, or uh, they have added some estimates on that infrastructure loss in a few of the categories. Um, those are the primary differences, um, but the, you would have to ask them for what are their differences in methodologies for um, any differences in numbers. 
Um, gotcha. So um, I watched that Zoom presentation that you gave, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, but you said there were some uh, areas of uncertainty at this point, which included uh, flooding impacts. So for us along the coast who had you know, inundation from saltwater, um, I think that's still an area of uncertainty. Um, and then grower decisions about delaying planting or replanting damaged crops and uh, overall delays due to infrastructure damage. Um, can you just talk about you know, what kind of information are you still seeking to clarify those areas? Sure. So as more people um, are reporting, we're getting some more information related to what happened on inundated properties. So the, typically the delay comes from, um, you know, a property has been flooded, they can't access it themselves to even determine what they would report on the survey. So as those properties are drying out, um, we have been getting additional survey responses. And I would say we've, um, I think it's safe to say that we've doubled the number of responses since we put out um, the preliminary estimates to what we have in hand now. So that will provide some additional certainty on what I might call the, the acute impacts of the storm or those very short-term impacts that are already noticeable and reportable um, through a tool like this. There's still going to be some uncertainty on what are the maybe medium to long-term effects of something like flooding. Um, if there is, you know, root damage uh, that doesn't manifest itself in the amount or the quality of, you know, a fruit or a vegetable until months down the road, that's obviously something that we're not going to capture in a survey that we do um, for a rapid assessment. So we, we specialize in collecting that information on those um, acute or short-term short impacts, you know, what's going to affect sales revenue this calendar year or this marketing season, and even those medium to long-term impacts um, that might happen within a calendar season, there's a little bit of uncertainty that we may not know until harvest time on what the full impact of the storm was. So basically, our entire listening area was kind of ground zero for these impacts because we broadcast to Charlotte, DeSoto, Hardy, Highlands, Lee, Manatee, Sarasota, Hendry, Glades, and Collier. Um, Absolutely. Is it, yeah, so we, 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 we got it uh, right smack in the bullseye. Um, so um, is it possible to say at this point which counties were most impacted, or are you still seeking more detailed information on county-level information? Yes, we're still seeking more information on that. So we, we do know, you know, which counties experienced higher wind speeds or which counties experienced more precipitation, but that doesn't necessarily directly translate into higher levels of impact for the specific um, commodities that they produce in those counties. So that's why we're still collecting additional information. Um, this report on the preliminary assessment is available on our website. Um, and one of the things that I encourage uh, growers or industry associations to do is if they uh, look at that report and they don't feel like their experience is accurately reflected in, um, in the percentage losses that we're estimating for specific commodity groups and in specific areas, then that's, that's the cue to provide additional information to make sure that we get the most accurate and reliable uh, data that we can to pass this forward to decision makers. Okay, and we'll add that link to the web post for this show, too, if anybody's listening and wants to find it. Um, how does the impact from uh, Ian at this point compare to Irma? Um, so uh, they're not directly comparable, but I think at the time we estimated um, just over $1 billion of impact um, 
when we had a final report um, from Hurricane Irma. So, uh, you know, Irma's impact is still within that range that we've estimated um, for those preliminary numbers for Hurricane Ian. Um, so I'm expecting overall on the state level for them to be comparable. Um, what we don't know is, you know, is it the exact areas that were impacted most by Irma will also be impacted most by Ian or did that you know, geographic breakdown of the impacts or the commodity level breakdown of the impacts differ. Are you at all still assessing what happened during Irma or is, has that work been completely, you know, finished? Um, on some level, it's completely finished. So we're not, um, we're not expecting to update the numbers that we found um, for that rapid assessment on Irma, but we do have ongoing research that tries to you know, use all of the information that we have collected in past storms or conversations that we or individuals within Florida Cooperative Extension are having with growers on how um, maybe their operations have changed since Irma, or even if we're speaking about the panhandle since Hurricane Michael. And, you know, how do we use everything that we're learning in these processes to make uh, Florida agriculture more sustainable? So, we're still learning from Irma. We're not necessarily still collecting data on Irma, um, but as we collect data over time and get further and further away from these events, then we do have enough data to go back and look at um, those, what I was speaking about, medium or long-term impacts of a particular storm. Um, we're not quite far enough away from that to have collected enough data um, after the storm to go back and, and look at those effects yet, but when we do get there, we do expect to be doing that. So fair to say you'll be working on impacts from Ian for years to come. Yes, it's, it's a little bit funny because I almost always say any of these disasters, I have a career's worth of work on one disaster and we seem to be having, um, you know, one every year or every one to three years. So there's, there's a lot more than I can even do or our group could even do to look at these um, fully. All right. Well, we'll have to have you back as, as this gets fully fleshed out more on the county level so we can see more specifically what happened here in southwest Florida. But uh, that's all the time we have. So I want to thank my guest. Dr. Krista Court is Assistant Professor of Regional Economics at University of Florida and Director of the UF-IFAS Economic Impact Analysis Program. Dr. Court, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. You can find links to more detailed information about Hurricane Ian's impacts to agriculture in Florida on our website, wgcu.org gcl. If you missed any of today's show, you can hear episodes in their entirety on our website or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM Fort Myers 90.1 and WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.